All right, welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really quick, just got to get this off my chest. I've been delaying doing this podcast for the last 15 minutes because I've felt that that very slight tickle in my left nostril about halfway up that's just made me think I've been about to blow a huge sneeze every single second of the last 15 minutes, but it hasn't come yet. I can't procrastinate any longer. If I sneeze, I sneeze such as life. This episode is going to be like the episode I did about a week or two ago called Stupid Mistakes I've Made That Have Also Made Me a Better Person. And what I mean in regard to this being a similar episode is that it's going to be me just talking to you. There is no guest on this episode. For those of you who listened to that and who who commented on it, who left a review on iTunes, I want to give a very heartfelt thank you. I got a lot of requests for more podcasts of a similar ilk, and that's why I'm doing this. Now, I also mentioned in the last episode that my buddy Tony is the one who gave me the idea for this style of podcast. The truth is, Tony is actually my newly hired podcast producer. And I want to give a huge shout out to him for a number of reasons. Number one is he's been doing a tremendous job. So Tony, I know you're listening to this because you're the producer. Thank you. I appreciate you immensely. You've been working incredibly hard and have been helping Rico and I out a lot. For those of you who don't know who Rico is, he's my videographer. He absolutely crushes it as well. But Tony, first and foremost, he randomly reached out to me on Instagram via DM, just shooting his shot, seeing like, hey, you know, is there anything I could help you with? I'd love to help you with your podcast. I have some good ideas. We hopped on the phone two times and we decided we'll give it a two month trial to see how it goes. So, so far I'm loving it. Tony has been putting in a ton of great work, a lot of effort. And one of the things he's been doing is giving me ideas for the podcast, different episodes. And so in this episode, Tony's idea was to talk about how to get motivated to work out, even and especially when you don't want to work out. Now, there's a little twist to this. And if you've listened to the podcast or my YouTube videos, you know I love to talk, especially if you're in the inner circle. You know I love to talk. I'll ramble for hours on end in the videos and the Facebook group, blah, blah, blah. I also love storytelling. I love storytelling because I'll never forget when I was a a kid, a very young kid, my mom sent me to a conference. I believe the conference was in either Baltimore or Cincinnati. I was at a a young, a conference for young Jewish leaders. My mom sent me, she was like, I want you to go. Uh, We were really very big in the Jewish community. She really wanted me to be a part of the Jewish community. Long story short, I went to this young Jewish leaders conference, either in Baltimore or Cincinnati. And I'll never forget, I was in a huge conference hall in a hotel and near the end of one of the days near the end of one of the the conference days there's a really really old man an old rabbi walking up to the podium in the center of the conference room there were hundreds if not thousands of people in there and as he slowly walked up this very old man the room was silent No one spoke, no one moved. Everyone just watched this old man walk up to the podium. And every single one of us were captivated with the stories he told us. No one said a word, no one uttered a sound, no one was telling jokes. And this is a room full of young kids, which is crazy, it's unheard of. And I'll never forget this man, at the end of all of his stories and everything he said, 
The best way to teach is through storytelling. If you can tell good stories, you can help people in a way far beyond you could ever imagine. And ever since then, I've always wanted to be a good storyteller and I practice that. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you a few stories. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to help you get more motivated. I don't know if it's going to help you be more consistent with working out. But I hope you enjoy the stories at the very least. And ideally, it will also help you maybe, if not get more motivated, at the very least, understand yourself a little bit better, have some more self-awareness, and figure out certain strategies you can use when you don't want to work out, but you know it's the right thing to do and how to sort of push yourself to do it when it's very, very difficult. So what I'm going to start off with is a story about my time training at Westside Barbell. Now, if you don't know what Westside Barbell is, a quick Google search will show you some very (laughs) scary pictures of huge men. 200, 250, 300, 350 plus pound men tattooed head to toe, lifting weights in the literal thousands of pounds. Now, Westside Barbell is literally, not not figuratively, not exaggeratingly, Westside Barbell is literally the strongest gym in the world. To give you a point of reference, when I trained there when I was 21 years old, their weakest lifter aside from me, because I was their weakest lifter. But when I arrived there, their weakest lifter squatted 800 pounds. That was their chump. That was their weak guy. That was the runt of the litter. Now, also worth noting, Westside isn't a membership gym. No one, you can't just walk into Westside. You don't get a membership card. They don't have any eucalyptus leaves. There's no showers. There's none of that. Westside Barbell is an invitation-only gym, an invitation-only gym for the strongest, most elite lifters in the world. There's no sign on the door. It's, It's in an industrial park. It's the only way you'd know how to get there is if you were given the address. So now you have a, a better idea of what Westside is like. Not to mention, I should also say, it's a, it's a blood and chalk gym. That's really it. You've got the strongest lifters in the world lifting thousands and thousands of pounds. They, that gym has tons of world records on top of it. And it's just blood and chalk. That's the best way to describe it. It is not your bougie, fancy gym. It is just a group, a small group of lifters with their sole focus of getting as strong as humanly possible at all costs. Now, the owner of Westside Barbell is Louis Simmons, and I am forever loyal to Louis. I, I look up to him immensely. Uh, I should say, this is important. Just because I, I am forever loyal to Louis and, and I look up to him, just like with anybody, with a parent, a teacher, a mentor, just because you look up to someone and you're loyal to them doesn't mean you necessarily agree with them on every single thing. There are things I disagree with Louis on, but I'm still forever loyal to him because he treated me like a son. Now, I'll sort of tell you how I got the internship training at Westside Barbell, and then I'll talk about my time training there, and we'll go on with the story. So after high school, I took a year off and traveled for a year, went to Israel, story for another day. When I came back from Israel, I went to school at the University of Delaware, and I initially started off 
on the exercise science track. I, early in my freshman year, I switched to behavioral health psychology because I realized exercise science was not what I thought it was going to be and I would be better off understanding why people are making the decisions they're making. I thought I'd be better off understanding human psychology and emotion and behavior because I'd already been coaching at that point for about 10 years. I got my first personal training job at 14. Anyway, I go to college, University of Delaware, and I, at this point in my life, I am completely and utterly obsessed with powerlifting. I am constantly thinking about getting stronger. My goal of deadlifting four times my body weight was forever and always on my mind, in my heart, in my soul. Every time I went to class, every morning I woke up, every night I went to bed, every day I went to the gym, that's all I thought about, deadlifting four times my body weight. And and one of the reasons for this, I think, is because a three times body weight deadlift is seen as advanced. That is generally seen as a very advanced high level deadlift. And I wanted four times. There are very few people in the world, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe there's less than 10 people ever to have deadlifted four times their body weight, me being one of them. And when I was 21 years old, I was like, that's what I want to do one day. And that's what fueled so much of my training. So because I was so obsessed with powerlifting, at that point in time, Westside was, Westside Barbell and Louis Simmons, they were the pinnacle. They were if you go back and watch some of Louis's initial YouTube videos, I mean, you'll very easily see why Louis was able to develop such a like a cult-like following because he really did, it, myself included. He he developed like a cult-like following with people too, who just loved him and adored him and were obsessed with him and his methods, the conjugate style of strength training. And I was enamored with him. I would spend hours watching his videos, reading his articles, trying to dissect his training methodologies. He was saying things that no one had ever said before in in the United States about strength and conditioning because he, he took a lot of it from the Soviet Union. And it was just all these things that no one had ever thought of. And it was amazing, not to mention his gym was the strongest gym in the world, the, the most beastly, wildebeest style strong you could ever imagine. People squatting 800, 900, 1,000 plus pounds, 1,000 plus pound squats. Are you kidding me? These were really happening in his gym. Now, I hated school. (laughs) I hated college. Now, to be fair to the University of Delaware, I think I would have hated any college I went to because I had just left Israel. I had spent a year in Israel volunteering with Holocaust survivors, traveling. There were no rules. It was, I was 18, 19 years old, learning a new language, living in, in the place where I am truly my happiest self. And then I come back to the United States and I didn't want to be here. And I'm surrounded by kids a year younger than me who just got to college in a, in a very, very party-driven school with frats and sororities. And I just didn't want to be a part of it. I was very unhappy. It was, it was some of the unhappiest times of my life. And uh, maybe I could do a whole podcast on that. But either way, I remember I wrote Louie an email because I wanted to train at Westside Barbell. I wanted to learn from the best. And Louie was the best. I wrote Louie an email, sort of like how Tony, my podcast producer, wrote me a message on Instagram asking to see if there's anything he could do. I wrote Louie an email and I was like, listen, Louie, I love 
everything you do. I'm obsessed with your teachings. I'm obsessed with everything. I'll do anything to come train with you and learn from you. I'll, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll walk your dogs. He fit, you know, he has a, a pit bull tattooed on his belly. Uh, the, a pit bull is the symbol of Westside Barbell. I was like, I'll walk your dogs. Like, just let me come and train. And so I sent him the email. <laughs> and Louis, at the time, he was 70, 73 years old, I believe. 70, 73 years old tattooed head to toe he was still deadlifting around 600 700 pounds so still an absolute freak of nature even though he's, he's getting older like 70 years old deadlifting 700 pounds are you kidding me that's insane most people never deadlift 500 pounds even at their peak physical condition never mind 70 years old deadlifting 700 so louis responds and louis is a gritty guy like he has the biggest heart in the world but he's a, he's a strong, gritty guy. And he responds just in one simple line. He goes, and I still have these emails, by the way. He goes, <laughs> our weakest guy squats 800 pounds. What do you have to offer? That was all he wrote in his email. Our weakest guy squats 800 pounds. What do you have to offer? And I remember sitting in my college dorm room Looking at that email, number one, just bewildered that I got a reply from Louis Simmons, who to me was just the the pinnacle of being a celebrity. And I thought for a minute, and I was like, okay, I can either reply very respectfully and kind and, and well thought out, or I can go super aggressive. And for all the parents and people listening right now, if your children are in the car, I'm about to use some cuss words just for the story. So fair warning. I replied to Louie and I decided to go for the more aggressive route. I thought he would respect it more. And I said, Louie, I don't give a fuck what your weakest or your strongest lifter does. I will come to your gym. I will outwork you and every single one of your lifters. Just give me a chance. No response to that. And I thought that I screwed everything up. There was no response to that until... One day, I looked at my phone as I was walking out of Penn Cater Dining Hall at the University of Delaware with my buddy Kyle. And I look at my phone, which thinking back to it was a, it was a, I think it was a flip phone at the time. Either way, look at my phone and I have a missed call and a voice message. Missed call from some unknown number in Ohio. And I pick it up and it's been a couple of weeks since I sent that email. I wasn't thinking about anything. I knew Westside was in Ohio, but it didn't click. I open up my voice messages and I hear, Jordan, it's Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. And I stopped in my tracks. I could not believe what I was hearing, that Louis Simmons was calling me on my phone and leaving me a voicemail. Now, I didn't realize that apparently in my signature of my email at the time, my phone number was there. I didn't have a business yet. I like didn't give my, I, I gave my phone number out apparently. It was in the signature of my email. So I think that's how he got my number. And he said, Jordan, it's Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. Uh, give me a call tomorrow. I'd love to talk about you coming to train here. <laughs> and I still have that voice message on my phone. If you ever meet me in person, I'm more than happy to show you the voice message I have from Louis. I, I will never delete it from my phone. Um, so I got on the phone with Louis and 
the next day, we spent about 45 minutes to an hour talking. Long story short, Louis invited me to Westside Barbell. He said, I'm going to give you a tryout. You come out for a weekend and uh, we'll see if you're a good fit. I couldn't believe it. Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell had just invited me to try out at his gym. This was unheard of. No one had ever done this before, ever. (laughs) So I told my mom, I was like, mom, I have the craziest opportunity. Now, my mom didn't know what Westside Barbell was. She didn't know who Louis Simmons was. She didn't know what powerlifting was. It wasn't in her reality. Like it wasn't, you can't really visualize or comprehend what that type of a gym is unless you go. And just me briefly explaining it to her, she had no idea. But being the incredible mother that she is and really understanding how passionate I was about it, she flew out to Ohio with me. She paid for our plane tickets, flew to Ohio, and my mom took me to Westside Barbell. (laughs) Now, that's a story for a different day. But very briefly, my mom is a sweet, nice Jewish lady going to the literal strongest gym in the world where the guys are squatting 800, 900, 1,000 pounds, bench pressing 500, 600, 700, 800 pounds, deadlifting 700, 800, 900, just insane amounts of weight. Being This is the strongest gym in the world, tattooed head to toe, big scary dudes, and my mom and I walk into this gym. Now, Louis, when he first meets me, I'll never forget this. I walk in the door and Louis walks over to me, shirtless, tattooed head to toe. And by the way, I have tattoos. I have tattoos on my ribs. I have tattoos on my arms. Like just trying to give you a visual. Blood gushing from his nose. He had just squatted so heavy that blood started to just pour out of his nose and all over his chest. He comes over to me, uh, shoves a tissue in his nose and he says, you must be Jordan. I was like, yes. He says, you must be his mom. And she says, very scared, like, yes, I am. And he was like, all right, we'll take care of him from here. I think he could see that my mom was petrified. My mom immediately walks out the door and goes and sits in the car. And I later learned that she was crying. She was so scared. But I stayed in there. And so basically, for the tryout, Louis said, all right, I want you to go do, uh, you're going to start off with rack pulls. And that's a, a type of deadlift. And I said, okay, how much weight should I use and for how many sets and reps? And Louis goes, as heavy as possible and go until it hurts too much. And I sort of was in disbelief and I was waiting for more advice, but that was it. Go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. And then from rack pulls, I went to good mornings. I was like, how much weight should I use and how many sets and reps? Go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. And then from good mornings, I went to glute ham raises as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. And I did that for two days straight, two days straight of the most brutal, torturous training I've ever been through in my entire life. Now I should be clear. This is not how Louis actually trains. This is not what he recommends. This was a tryout. And you have to remember, I had emailed Louis saying, Again, I'm about about to swear. I told him in an email. I said, I don't give a fuck what your lifters do. I don't care how strong you are. I will outwork you and every one of your lifters. Well, if you're going to talk that way to Louis Simmons, he's going to test you on it. 
And he tested me on it for two days straight. I've never been more sore. I've never been more bloody. I've never been more beat up from training in my life. But I was at the mecca of powerlifting, the literal strongest gym in the world. There's no way I was going to stop. Looking back, I'm very lucky I didn't injure myself. (laughs) But I remember at the end of the second day, Louis walked up to me, shook my hand. He said, I'll see you over the summer. So I flew back, spent the rest of the year at school. And uh, I flew out and I trained at Westside for the better part of three months. Increased my total. My total, by the way, is the total amount I can lift between my squat, bench press, and deadlift. So my total between my squat, bench press, and deadlift increased by 300 pounds that summer. That is insanity. I trained 11 times a week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I trained twice. Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, I trained once. Now, I tell you the story just to give you some insight into where I was training, the intensity that was brought to that gym, the results that I had as as a result of being so consistent, training so hard and so methodically under the supervision of Louis, who, who, by the way, just so you know, Louis, he took me out for every breakfast and every lunch and paid. He would never let me or any one of his lifters pay took me out for every breakfast, every lunch. He let me take the Westside Barbell certification, which is thousands of dollars for free. I was the youngest person to ever be certified through Louis. Every day after training, we'd go to his office. He'd sit down. I'm going to start crying. He'd sit down (laughs) and he would let me ask him any questions I had about training, anything I wanted to know. And a lot of people ask me, why do I give away so much for free? Why do I, why do I just talk to people, get on the phone with people. What? It's because that's how I was brought up. I was brought up with guys like Louie bringing random kids to his gym for free, paying for their meals, paying for the certification, taking his time just to sit down and talk with them. That's how I was brought up. And that's what feels right for me, not just as a business owner, but just as a human. So I tell you that story just to give you the a full understanding of where I was training and how intense it was. Now, going back to the point of this podcast, how to get motivated to work out, I want to tell you a story about a, this is a very brief story, about a Westside lifter or a former Westside lifter. His name is Dave Tate, one of the most famous Westside lifters of all time. Uh, he is the owner of Elite FTS, Elite Fitness Systems. Really incredible guy. I've met him a couple times. Very smart, great lifter, great businessman, great family man. I respect him immensely. Um, Dave tells a great story. Dave trained at Westside for years and years and years. He was one of their all-time best lifters. And one of the things he used to say was he would always get requests from people about, can I lift at Westside? Can I come to Westside? The answer was, Almost always, it was always no. I was the first one, to my knowledge, that they let just randomly come. And Dave would ask them, he'd say, why do you want to train at Westside? And people would say, well, if I could train at Westside, then I'd get stronger. And Dave would ask them, he sort of baited out of them. And I might be sort of butchering the, the order of events here, but to the effect, Dave would say, so you think that if you trained at Westside, you would get stronger than if you didn't train at Westside. Is that right? 
And their response was always yes. And Dave said, that's your problem. Your problem is that you're basing your success off of where you train and not how hard you train. He said, if you want to get as strong as you possibly can and you're not at Westside, then train like you're at Westside. That is up to you. That is your decision, the intensity with which you bring to your training. I've always loved this story. I've always, always loved this story because it really puts the responsibility on the individual to find it within her or himself to bring the intensity that they need to bring to achieve their goals, not base it on where they're training or who they're training with. I loved this story when I was younger and I've always appreciated it. That being said, as, a, as I've gotten older, from an objective and realistic perspective, I, I, I now realize that it is flawed. And I'll tell you why. Environment is huge. And we all know this. It's very cliche to say, but it who you hang around with will radically impact what you do. And this is very clear in, in weight loss research. This is very clear in smoking cessation, alcohol cessation, uh, living an overall healthy, happy life. Who you surround yourself with, your atmosphere radically impacts your life and your decisions. So if you're not around people who are pushing you and motivating you and trying, trying to help you get better, it's going to be way more difficult for you to achieve your goals. Keep in mind, way more difficult does not mean impossible, nor does it mean you shouldn't try. Way more difficult just means you now hold more responsibility on your shoulders to make it happen. With all that said, now I'm going to go into another story. And this is all leading towards how to motivate yourself to work out. So I just told you a critical story in the timeline of my growth towards becoming an elite lifter. It wasn't many years after that that I deadlifted four times my body weight. And it was only about a year and a half after that that I started coaching Gary Vaynerchuk, traveling the world, coaching Gary seven days a week. If you don't know who Gary is, he's a arguably the most famous entrepreneur uh, currently. And I got the job coaching Gary. And so if he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in London, I was in London. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he was in Nashville, Tennessee, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I started a brand new job. Now, at this point, I was no longer competitively powerlifting. I, my main focus was coaching Gary and building my own business, really, really building the inner circle and making that the best community I possibly could, which, by the way, would not be possible first and foremost without each and every member and definitely not without my co-coach, Susan Niebergall, which has just become such an extraordinary community. But my focus was no longer on becoming an elite powerlifter. I'd already achieved that goal. 
and I was no longer motivated nor interested nor passionate about being an elite lifter. I was passionate about other things, teaching people how to achieve their goals, spreading that message in various forms across social media, blah, blah, blah. The important thing here is that my passion no longer lied in lifting as heavy as possible and being an elite lifter. My passion lied in teaching, spreading the message, and helping people and building my business. So I started coaching Gary, traveling all over the world, very little control of my nutrition, very little control over my training, and absolutely, completely, and utterly exhausted beyond belief. My life flipped, turned upside down in so many ways. It's difficult to fully express. I have a whole YouTube on it. And maybe I'll do a whole episode of podcast on my time coaching Gary. That might be another option. If you, Actually, you know what? If you want that podcast, me discussing my time coaching Gary in depth, uh, feel free to either leave a comment on iTunes or email me or DM me on Instagram. Anyway, I was in airports and hotels more than I actually slept in my own apartment when I coached Gary. It was three years three years, seven days a week. Now, I want to say that, but I want to make it very clear because I think people hear it and they don't really understand. People see, oh, you're coaching a celebrity. That must be so cool. You only coach them an hour a day. That's That is not how it works. First and foremost, my entire life revolved around following Gary Vaynerchuk all over the world, seven days a week. There were no weekends off. There were no days off. There were no vacations. There was seven days a week for three years straight in which I must be on call to coach Gary when he wanted. There was no weekend. There was no day off. There were no holidays. Seven days a week for three years straight. That's number one. Number two is we're traveling more than we're actually in New York City. Traveling all over the world, staying in hotels. Some hotels don't have gyms. Some hotels have really awful gyms. Sometimes the only way to go to a gym would be to pay $50 for a guest fee at LA Fitness or Equinox. The $50 one was at Equinox in in Los Angeles. And sometimes I would pay it because I really wanted to get a workout in and sometimes I wouldn't. As my time with Gary went on and the inner circle grew and social media grew and I was able to have more impact and, and I was getting more and more involved in helping people and really growing everything that I'm building to this day, my training really started to fall off. My workout started to fall off. My nutrition started to fall off. And you can see it in my videos. You can see it from my videos in 2015 and 2016, where I'm lean, I'm very low body fat, probably between nine and 12% body fat at the highest during those timeframes to my videos in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, where I my body fat significantly increased and muscle mass significantly decreased. My strength significantly decreased. I wasn't, number one, I wasn't sleeping barely at all. My sleep schedule was completely and utterly screwed up. I was in different time zones every other day and I just wasn't sleeping as well just because I was working so hard on my business, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't training as consistently. I went from training bare minimum four times a week, every single week for the better part of a decade to Sometimes I I wouldn't train for two or three weeks straight at all. And then when I did train, it might've been one or two times. And then I would take a few weeks off. And there are a number of reasons for this. Number one, my schedule, but also number two, my priorities. 
it wasn't a priority for me to work out at that point in my life, which it might sound odd considering I'm a fitness coach. But at that point in my life, it just wasn't what I wanted or needed. I shouldn't say needed because I think everyone needs to work out. It wasn't that important to me is the simple truth of it. I would have way rather stayed up later and worked harder, got up earlier and focused on social media, my inner circle, making content. I would have rather do all of that than work out. Fully understanding and being okay with an increase in body fat and a decrease in muscle mass. I think the main reasons that I was okay with this is twofold. Number one is I always know what I need to do in order to get back on track. I always know how to lose fat, how to get stronger, how to build muscle. It's always I, it's always there. It's very simple, not easy, but simple. And I knew there would come a day in which I was like, okay, enough is enough, time to get back on. Fortunately, that day came uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. And I've been unbelievably consistent with my training and nutrition. The other reason that I was okay with it is because I saw all of the effort that I was putting into my business really paying off. And that's really what I was so passionate about, helping more people on Instagram, helping more people on my podcast, helping the inner circle. And I saw so much of that paying off. I was like, this is worth it to me. And there was a little bit of cognitive dissonance and, and, and disappointment in myself that I wasn't treating my body the way that I should. There was some disappointment there. There was some you know, cognitive dissonance in that I'm a fitness coach, but I wasn't doing it. But it was all worth it to me. And I was very okay with that. That's one of the most truthful things I can say about that time period is that even though I wasn't really working out and I wasn't really paying much attention to my nutrition, I was okay with it. I think me being okay with it, making that clear, deliberate decision to not focus on it is what allowed me to be so successful in other areas of my life. Because I think what happens is when some people aren't being consistent, they're not actually okay with it. They want to be consistent with it and they berate themselves and shame themselves and hate themselves for not being consistent. And that shame and guilt and hatred prevents them from doing other things they could be doing. So not only are they not doing what they need to do fitness-wise, but they're not even able to do anything else because they're just spending so much time hating on themselves for what they think they should be doing. Me taking those two and a half, three years away from my own personal fitness to help other people with their fitness to grow my business, I think is one of the best things I ever did for many, many reasons. But when we go back to what Dave Tate was talking about, I start to look at that and I start to look at my time at Westside. The me, the, the me who is coaching Gary could not have gone to Westside Barbell. That just wouldn't have worked. A parent with one kid, two kids, three kids, five kids, working, busy, stressed, couldn't go to Westside. The me who was coaching Gary could not have trained like I was at Westside and gotten anywhere near as strong as I did. 
the individual, the, the person I was that got as strong as I did when I trained at Westside was a very unique individual, not just in who I was, but in the situation I found myself in, in the time frame I found myself in, the point in my life that allowed me to do something like that. I think a lot of us look at what others are doing in, or we don't even look at what others are doing. We just look at what others have done in regard to their physique. We look at their their end results. We look at their pictures. We look at the weights they're lifting. And we compare ourselves to them when they're at a completely different point in life. They have a completely different life. You're comparing your chapter seven to their chapter 18. It makes no sense. Not to mention, it's not even in the same book. It's two different books. You're comparing two different books, two different chapters, two different stories completely. And I think this is one of the reasons so many people struggle to get motivated to work out is because they look at what someone else has done and that someone else, aside from being a different individual with different genetics, they're at a different point in their life inherently because everybody is at a different point in their life than everyone else. If you start comparing yourself to other people, comparing your progress, comparing someone else's results, whatever it is, it will be very hard to motivate yourself to work out because it's inherently going to be difficult to be realistic with what you think you can accomplish. Looking back to, I took the two and a half, three years, more or less away from fitness, my physique, went pretty much downhill, lost muscle mass, gained body fat, lost strength. The reason I've been able to be so consistent last year and a half since I really started picking it back up again and have seen tremendous results, if you go watch my YouTube videos from the beginning of 2019 to the beginning of 2020, you're going to see a very different person, much more muscular. I've put on about 15 pounds of muscle or so in the last year alone. I think one of the main reasons I've been able to be so consistent now, it's not necessarily because I have more time. It's because I understand where I'm at right now in my life. I've found something I can do that I enjoy. And I'm training in a way that makes me feel good. These are all very important things to understand. Now I'll say this, when I first got back into training, it was very difficult for me to be motivated, largely because I was comparing myself to who I was as a lifter five years ago, an elite world-class lifter. The weights I was lifting were significantly less. <laughs> my strength was way less, my explosiveness was way less, my conditioning was way less, and it was difficult for me to get motivated, which is why I started off so small I didn't start off training four or five times a week. I started off training two times a week. Just little bits, getting in there and making sure every time I worked out, I did something I enjoyed. Regardless of quote unquote perfect programming, regardless of what is quote unquote right or optimal, I knew that if I was going to be consistent in the gym, I must do something I enjoy. If it was deadlifts, it was deadlifts. If it was doing some curls, I would do curls. If it was doing abs, it was abs. If it was doing some conditioning, it was conditioning. 
the only way that I could convince myself to get there, to work out, was if I made sure that I was going to do something that I was going to have fun doing. And from there, from getting over the biggest hurdle of actually getting back into the gym and doing something fun, then I started to see results. I started to notice my arms growing. I started to notice my my deadlifts getting stronger again. Within eight weeks, I pulled 405 pounds again. It's so funny how quickly all of this stuff comes back. And then what happened once I started seeing those results, I got more motivated to go back. And I've been going to work out anywhere between five to seven days a week between jujitsu and regular strength training. My strength training has been on point for the last year and a half because I started with going two times a week and each session was about 25 to 30 minutes. You don't have to start at the top. You don't have to start with the most elite programming. You don't have to start with the most optimal training program, best nutrition. You don't have to start there. You just have to start. I don't care if the starting is five minutes of walking. I don't care if the starting is drinking a glass of water. I don't care if the starting is doing an ab workout. I don't care what the start is. Just start. It's impossible to start too small. It's just possible to not start. It doesn't matter the length of your workout when you first start. It doesn't matter the intensity of it. What matters is that you just do it. And again, could be walking, could be biking, could be swimming, could be jogging, could be one push-up, could be 10 push-ups, could be 100 push-ups, could be sit-ups, crunches, squats, glute bridges. I don't care. This goes back to the old adage, something is always better than nothing, which is cliche and hippy-dippy, but goddamn, it's true. It's impossible to start too small, but it is possible to not start. And that is the issue. I've spoken about this model of of motivation before. People always ask me, how do I get motivated? How do I get motivated? You don't just get motivated. And if you are waiting for motivation, you will forever be waiting. Motivation is an emotion. If someone said to you, you know, you should be happy all the time. Or if someone asked you, how do you get happy? The most logical response would be something along the lines of doing things that make you happy. The operative word there being doing things that make you happy. Doing, doing, do, do, action. Taking action to do the things that make you happy. How do you get happy? How do you have that emotion? You do. Do the things that make you happy. How do you get motivated? You do. You do the things that motivate you. Motivation starts from doing. You take an action. You go to the gym. You go on a walk. You do a push-up. You do a squat. You do a lunge. You do a hip thrust. You do. From doing, you get results. And from those results, you get motivated. From that motivation, you do again. You take more action. So I know this has been a very long roundabout ramble. I hope you found it helpful. If nothing else, I hope it was enjoyable from the storytelling perspective, but I I really hope that it's inspired you to do. 
if you're feeling a lack of motivation to work out, if you're not feeling the drive, just remember to do something. It's impossible to do too little, but it is possible to not start. And that is the issue. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.